shore, a hallway full of locked doors, and water walls could launch a discourse. All right, that's the song Frames by Benchmarks, and we're actually going to have them on with us in, like, hopefully three or four minutes. Let's see how quickly we get through the new music, huh? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, we had a really long interview, so basically we're just going to fly through this intro because... You don't need to hear from us when you can hear from Benchmarks. So, yeah. For... And it's the best interview, too. Not oh. like, I mean, all of our interviews are the best interviews, but like, we had a really fun, engaging conversation. I'm really excited about it. And uh, stick around for some fun jokes. Speaking <laughs> of jokes, we are I'm Not Okay, I podcast. I'm Stormy. I'm Elena. We're going to talk about new music right now. Rush into it. Let's go, go, go. Okay, so this week, if you haven't heard it already, Blink-182 released their new album, Nine. You should check that out for sure. It's really good. Stan Atlantic released a single called Hate Me Sometimes. It's also really good. Our Last Night released a song called The Beaten Path that I really, really liked. The Menzingers released another single called Strangers Forever. And Capstan released a new album called Restless Heart Keep Running. And that is all I'm going to talk about this week. If you want to hear more new music that we found this week, go check out our Spotify. We will have the link to that playlist in the show notes. Yeah. Can you hear me again? Yeah. All right. I just want to let everybody know that we are on the phone for the first time ever. (laughs) We had... Internet issues. We've always got some sort of technical difficulty. It's absurd. Ugh, I know. It's uh, the most irritating. But we are making it work. And uh, Right. <laughs> so you didn't have your notes in front of you. You had to put me down to do that. I did. Yeah. I had to look at my phone and find the different music because I did not write anything down this week. I'm just saying it. Just in case we seem a little bit off this week, it's because we're not looking at each other's faces for the first time. It is really weird. Ever. Like, I mean, I'll talk, yeah, to, I'll, I don't we it. talk on the phone, so it's not, I don't know, it's just different it's to do weird. it while we're recording, to not see each other. But at least, no, you know what, I'm not going to spoil it, I'm not going to spoil it. I was going to say, at least this time, you won't see if a certain something happens, but they will just have to listen to the interview. Um, yeah. Alright, so, without further ado, I think we should jump in. Let's jump in. All right. This is our interview with Benchmarks. I can't remember all the photographs on the bedroom wall, but I can't find the people in the frames that bear it all. It's all right. It's all right. So won't So we're here with Todd and Jack from the band Benchmarks, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Can you guys tell us just a little bit about yourselves just to start? Todd here. Uh, I sing and play guitar in the band. Um, I write a lot of the songs. Um, You know, just uh, just a normal dude. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. uh, We've been doing this band. um, It used to be called something else. um, And we were kind of in that, like, Americana alt-country 
uh, scene for a long time. And then we kind of decided we wanted to take things seriously and we're kind of rock guys and punk rock guys at heart. So uh, we kind of reformed the band in around 2014 and have been uh, doing that ever since. Right. I yeah. have to ask, what were you called before? We were called Todd Farrell Jr. and the Dirty Birds. <laughs> oh, I love it! We could have gone through the whole interview without you asking that. but <laughs> No, you ha- you, uh, here's the thing. We have to do it to everyone now that mentions an old band because we made Oscar talk about it in like our second interview ever. Fair. And he was very embarrassed. So now you get to join him. Well, like, I'm not embarrassed. Like that, rec- <laughs> that record's still on Spotify, and I'm still proud of it. It's very different from what we do now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. By the way, uh, this is Jack. Uh, I play everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, usually drums, but uh, sometimes guitar and bass and keys. And it, um, he's like also like the engineer on just about everything we do. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have to say it. You're a jack of all trades. Nailed it. Yay! Yay! Sorry, it was right there. I have no response for that. <laughs> As you shouldn't. It's the worst, and I apologize. I hate that I didn't think of it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, to, to Todd's point, uh, you know, we're, we're super proud of that work that we did early on. Yeah. And, and, and to a large extent, I think it kind of informed what we do now. So, yeah, I mean, every project is kind of a, a place and time thing, right? And when we go back and listen to that, we it kind of like transports you back to 2013. Yeah, and, and things what, are so different. <laughs> yeah, I mean for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, we took the the name change as an opportunity to uh, uh, mix up the genre and, and kind of pursue something that's probably a little closer to our, our musical roots. Yeah, perhaps. yeah. I, I think at that time, um, essentially, what happened is I randomly put an EP on Bandcamp of songs that I wrote because I was listening to a shit ton of Lucero and uh, I put it out and then people were like, Hey, you should play shows. And I was like, I guess I need to put a band together called Jack and some other friends. And we put a band together and then we recorded a record and then we're like, well, that was fast. Maybe let's make music, but let's make the music that we kind of want to make instead of mm-hmm. like kind of adhering to this genre that we are yeah. into, but maybe not, doesn't necessarily represent us as songwriters and musicians. Yeah, exactly. That's understandable for sure. And were you a solo act when you first started? I thought I had read that at some point. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think you could you could say like that band was kind of like you know it's Todd Farrell Jr. and the Dirty Birds. It was like it was right. kind of like my songs and um, that I. Um, yeah, and that was probably the most kind of like notable shift, right, with the band change or the band name change is that, uh, you know, we started co-writing songs mm-hmm. and it, it became kind of a much more uh, collaborative thing. Sure, sure. The the band now is much more of almost a, a like a commune than it is anything <laughs> else. Like that's probably a good way we, we, there's there's maybe like six members of the band, but maybe four will play at any given time. Right. It's, it's an And you never know which four it's going to be. It's yeah, and like, you never know what instrument anybody's going to play. You put your hand <laughs> in the fishbowl and just pull out four names. Yeah. I was actually going to ask about that, because I've been following you guys for a long time, and I'm like, I just see all these different names popping up. <laughs> yeah. But, well, like, your pictures change in the number of musicians that you have on stage. Sure. We, um, so, I mean, at the co- originally, it was... Um, Jack Goose, who plays bass, and myself, and um, we had a lead guitar player 
our friend Eli, he was part of the Dirty Birds um, part of it um, and the first EP. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the last record, Our Undivided Attention, that became... Um, we signed a deal with an indie label and started touring, but um, not everybody can tour full-time. So it was kind of like, who of my grab bag of friends can I get to go on the road for this three weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's probably a really common reality to yeah. like a lot of bands, especially, um, you know, people our age. And bands at our level, you know. Right, kind of. Um, we, you essentially go on the road and you make $7 <laughs> when right, you come yeah. home. So, um, so just to kind of create some flexibility for everybody in a, uh, and, and, yeah, to enable the people who wanted to, to go play mm-hmm. to go play, we kind of opened up the roster a little bit. And um, that's been great because, like, we um, have made some great friendships, some yeah, great musical sure. partnerships through that. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, we primarily kind of two new guys came in uh-huh. that – one was a friend and a, kind of like a fan of the band that we've known for a long time. Uh, Chris Jackson was playing mm-hmm. guitars and um, singing BGVs. Um, and now his BGVs are all over this new record because he's like a better singer than I am by far. <laughs> um, and um, our buddy Josh Tuzna, literally we found on Craigslist because we were leaving for tour in like two weeks and we needed a bass player. <laughs> um, yeah, that's had... really cool, though. I've never nobody's ever told us that they've done that if they have. I, well, if they haven't, they're lying. Uh. <laughs> well, and that's, I feel like that's part of the thing because nobody ever wants to play bass. So that's like the, but they, you need it. Right. And so. That's, that's so funny because we have like six bass players. Yeah. Like everybody, really? wants to, everybody in our band wants to play bass except for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we, me and my dad always told my brother, you need to learn how to play bass because nobody has a bassist and everybody needs one. No, so, that's so true. So I will, I will say this is the honest truth. Like the more instruments that you learn to play, the more opportunities you get to play. Mm-hmm. Oh, for and, sure, yeah. And that, that was a, like a, a huge reason that I started learning to play other instruments, uh, aside from wanting to like record everything myself. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So our our band is just like this weird family of people who uh, we like to make music together, and we like to you know travel. But it's not necessarily all of us at the same time. It's right. like it's like. <laughs> Kind of just bits and pieces. I mean, we all get together and hang. I was but... going to say, don't, you have to kind of include the the watching sports and pizza part of that. Oh, yeah. And, and like the, the text chain. <laughs> oh, God. There's like an epic text chain <laughs> that blows up at work all day long. Oh, that's <laughs> the only way it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, our, that was that was a long convoluted answer about our band. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> good. That's I, what we're looking for. It's it's perfect. I just have to ask because I feel like you breezed by it way too fast. Was his name Goose? Oh yeah. <laughs> so Goose, uh, Goose and I. Goose's name is Matt Ruinsky. Goose and I okay. met in 2007, and I moved to Nashville in 2006, and he a little bit before that, um, and. Every band that I've been in in Nashville, Goose has played bass in in some at mm-hmm. some time, um, and this includes well not every single band but every band that like I had invested creative input into I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a not like a hired gun guitar thing or whatever but like anything that was like my band Goose has been a part of and like this started playing you know death metal <laughs> back in like the mid two thousands we played in like death metal bands together and then. 
we played like some country gigs filling in for people in town because that's what you do in Nashville. And yeah. so I feel I feel like you have to explain why his name is Goose. Well his name's Goose is because I the dude is one of my best friends of all time, but he's the goofiest dude. Well, <laughs> and also like how many dudes named Matt and, do you know? You, well at the time in this metal band, the the guitar player was named Matt. Uh, and we're like, well, we can't have two mats. That just doesn't work. Right. Um, and so naturally, Goose just became Goose because he's the Goose. And I think it's like, as <laughs> as nicknames go, that's like a pretty good one. It, and it's stuck for him. Right. I mean, and it's easy to remember because Top Gun, so. Yeah. yeah. Like his girlfriend calls him Goose. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's what that's what caught my attention. I was like, wait, no, he totally said Goose, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's funny that you brought that up because it's like, to us, it's just a passing. It's it, he just goose. I think that's how he's goose. credited on all our albums. He's too. credited as Goose. I kind of originally wanted him to be credited as like just Goose with no other name, <laughs> like Noodles from The Offspring. Right. Just Goose. But <laughs> yeah, the first thing I thought of was uh, the Butcher from The Academy is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, same, same situation. <laughs> every good band needs one. Mm-hmm. Man, what is what is The Academy is doing right now? <sighs> Emo nights. Okay. Probably. Yeah. That's probably accurate. <laughs> the last time I saw William Becca was at an emo night. That wasn't too long ago, though. Nice. But, That's funny. Yeah. All right, guys. So like I said, I want to do a couple of just vague getting to know you sort of questions, just so our audience can kind of gauge where you're coming from musically. So my first one for you is if you were to make a soundtrack of your summer 2019, who would be on it? What kind of artists have you been listening to? Hold up my phone. We were just talking about this today. Yeah, in that massive text chain. I'm uh, reading lines, I guess. All right. Uh, so, it's like it's this. It's kind of all over the board, and I, I guess that's kind of what you're ready for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, uh -huh. uh, I'm going to throw the Bud Bronson EP on there and yeah. the Hold Steady yeah. record on there. So just a little context there. We, we have a buddy band in uh, Denver, in Denver, Colorado, called Bud Bronson and the Good Timers. Um, awesome band. Uh, really pretty influential. Yeah. Uh, like on us musically yeah, over the last couple sure. of years. Uh, so that's like the, the mini plug yeah, there. We've, we've toured with them. We've become good friends with them. And so, yeah. Go listen to Bud Bronson. Uh, on the, the subject time. of underrated bands, that's kind of at the top. I was yeah. going to ask you guys about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys should. Uh, we, we did a split uh, single with them last year. Yeah. yeah. Right, uh, and not to diverge too far, but I did want to ask you about it. So while we're on okay. the topic, how did you come to decide to do a split single? It's not something you see too often. Much less a cassette single. Yeah, it was a, right. a, a, a single. <laughs> um, oh, man. Motorcycle Potluck, the record label out mm -hmm. there. Um so Bud Bronson was releasing a record, but they, uh, a small label out there wanted to do um, like a split single for one of the singles coming up on their mm -hmm. record. And they asked them like, well, who do you want to do a, um, you know, who would be your B-side or whatever? Mm -hmm. And they asked us and we were kind of in the middle of recording this album that we're still recording. Well, I was going to say it was at the time it seemed like the middle, but it was in retrospect actually kind of the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, but we did have like, a track right. that we could contribute um and so that's how, how it kind of worked out yeah so, we, we were able to kind of wrap it up in time you know uh to release a single with them kind of in anticipation of their of their full album release and uh you know, like we had talked about trying to do something with them and this seemed kind of 
serendipitous. So, um, you know, like like Todd said, that was kind of a early version of that of that song that will ultimately end up on a record. But uh, you know, it'll be a different mix, kind of a different feel. Awesome. Yeah. So, so now, I, you know, now I have cassettes in my garage. <laughs> I just thought that was such a cool concept because it's like it's promoting both of you among your different fan bases. For sure. I think and I would like to see more of that um, out of maybe bands like us and mm-hmm. things because, you know, like we're going to put a record out next year and somebody might hear it. Somebody might not, you know, but when all the little guys kind of stick together, you kind of get uh cast a larger net well like like. i'm always kind of fascinated by like the cross-pollination of fan bases right because uh, bands or people that listen to our band aren't necessarily the same you know group that would listen to bud bronson and yet Mm -hmm. you know when our fans hear their music i think a lot of them are are pretty geeked about it yeah everybody's totally stoked yeah so um yeah it's like you're manufacturing opportunities for you know to expose uh you know your fans to, to other bands that that are important to you totally you guys are touching like points of my entire question lines <laughs> you this so, going into it. what you don't know is you're actually on uh our podcast right now <laughs> gotcha. wow it was a trap who knew okay it's okay. called a toddcast okay okay <laughs> back, back to your list let's let us find oh, i right. love how many puns so are happening today it's the best thank you okay moving I'm on literally, i'm naming this episode the toddcast <laughs> Cool. <laughs> um, Bud Bronson, the Good Timers. Um, I, again, like I listen to a lot of metal. So uh, just rattle them off. Just, uh, just, just go for it, dude. I, like, uh, uh, I feel like I put you under a lot of pressure. I, I'm, I'm, ab- I'm about to take over here if you're not prepared. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, so there's like a lot of bands that are about to release things that I'm stoked about, and they've been putting out singles. Like, um, Alcest is like this. I don't know, like French post black metal band that I really uh-huh. like, and they're about to put some stuff out. Um, I don't know. I'm also been listening to like retro synth. So there's this band called The Midnight that I've been into, um, but also the Hold Steady record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are definitely a couple of records that like we've collectively geeked out on, mm-hmm. and and one of them is that there's a band called The Hold Steady, and, and they're putting out a new rec- or they put out a new record called Thrashing Through the Passion. And it's kind of been a, a topic of frequent discussion for us as a band. Um, one, because we all like the band, but also because of sort of the unique release strategy that went into it. Right. Because uh, they put out a series of EPs uh, over a course of two years. And, and it was kind of like, um, uh, well, each each EP was just kind of like an A-side, B-side thing. Um, yeah. And, and then at the end, they released a compilation of uh, some of those tracks with a handful of new tracks as the record as the record right and so like we've been discussing like that format and like is that a do people like that do people not is that a cool way to put music out yeah because like i think like as a creator i think it's it's a pretty novel concept Mm because you get it kind of keeps your creative flow going but as a consumer i have some issues with it Um, i'm torn because it's always nice to have something new but then at the same time like nothing can beat when a new album drops that you've been Mm -hmm. waiting for and you're just like sitting there listening to it from start to finish and hearing the flow as it was intended yeah i absolutely agree and like you even created a playlist of how you would (laughs) rather of the 
album be track listed. Yeah, because <laughs> you have to. Sequencing is so important to me, yeah. especially as like a kind of a love of, lover of the craft of recording yeah. and, and making albums. And um, it, it felt like a missed opportunity uh, because the track that was in the middle of the album to me was like a clear album opener. But I feel like they sequenced it towards the back because it was the first uh, single that they yeah, released. Yeah, all, all the singles they had already released were on the back half of the album. Right. And then they front-loaded mm -hmm. it with new stuff, which, you I, know, I to, to, to my ears, wasn't necessarily the strongest material on the album. Right. Um, so, like, that's an album that we talked about a lot. We, I Sorry. No, I, I, I was going to say, we've lately been listening to that new Strung Out record yeah. a lot. So there's a punk band called Strung Out that um, that is like a... Fat rec band. Yeah, uh, yeah, fat uh, records band. I think they still are. And it's kind of a perfect marriage of some of our interests. So he mentioned he's really into metal. I'm not as into metal, but, you know, uh, but I'm really into punk rock. And that was, um, you know, uh, one of the first kind of genres that I really fell in love with. And so this kind of marries, uh, you know, the kind of the, the, the fist pumping and themic um, melodic nature and super shreddy yeah with really shreddy guitar playing so we've been talking about that one a lot yeah and then uh and then and then i got really into the 1975 this year and just listened to that a lot <laughs> oh they're so good though they're we've good heard a lot of that on this podcast and, it's, and their newest song is like a heart a political hardcore song yeah it's and like it, out of a yeah it's like out of left field well in the one they released before that was just some kid talking yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It was just, yeah. I don't know what they're aiming at on this new uh -huh. uh, release I like schedule, it but it's it's cool. It's just weird. I wasn't ready for it. I'm trying to I'm trying to reserve any like any conclusions about it until I hear kind of the rest of the material. Right, the full picture. Right, because I feel like the context is going to be important here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But that's my official uh, when I do dishes. That's the band I listen to. <laughs> it makes well, you can groove to it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. fun. <laughs> right. That's a playlist we haven't thought of. <laughs> the dishes Songs you can groove dishes. to? Oh, yeah. the dishes. <laughs> um, I, I know that, like, the way that you were talking about them releasing, that's a super common way to release um, new material in K-pop. So I don't know if they were, like, trying to take a page from that book. Yeah, I don't know. Like, sorry, mm. they, I didn't inter... I did. I read an interview mm -hmm. um with it was like with the band and they were talking about um well like you know it's it's hard to be a band these days it's hard to tour it's hard to put albums out it's hard to stay relevant in like waiting three to four years to put new material out means you're obsolete by the time you put that material out mm -hmm. um and so like now they don't really tour they just play these destination three night um shows in cities like they just played nashville and we went on one of the nights and it was fantastic it was awesome um but i i, I applaud them for trying to rethink the system yeah yeah and, and i think that's gonna look different for different bands you know like yeah. like we can't do that no of course not right because because <laughs> because the whole study is like a you know they're um kind of a cult band right like if yeah uh, they have a, like the people that are into them tend to be really into them. There's like 200 people in every city who like the whole right, and they'll travel least, too, and they'll travel. You know. There's like seven in every city that like us. So that's that's like a common <laughs> conversation that we have. Like if we see a band, you know, doing kind of an unconventional release strategy, we're looking at that and saying, you know, can we can we adopt that? Can we incorporate that into what we're doing, or is that 
better suited for you know a different style of band. Right. No, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I kinda <laughs> I love the idea of like multiple night shows though. It was it's super fun and I, like we only went to I'm sorry, I just cut you off. I didn't mean No, to no, that. you're fine, you're fine. Okay. I don't know what I was saying next. <laughs> the, uh I only went to one night of the three. Um but so many people I know went to all three and so many people from out of town came into town to go to these shows. And like the set list was different every night, but they still like kind of stuck to like the core material, but they played different, right. like, you know, um, I don't know what you call them, like kind of deep cuts. Yeah, deep cuts, besides um, and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, every night was very, very different, but it was very. Well, yeah, and I think I can only imagine, having not done this myself, I can only imagine how structuring your set list for that has got to be way different because, you know, you, you've got to play you know, the, the fan favorites uh, for the people that are only there one night. But then you also have to mix in some different stuff so that people don't hear the same yeah. identical set. Like you can't open with the same song every night. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so that kind of like, puts more burden on kind of the rehearsal aspect. Yeah. And uh, it's got to be difficult to just put on the same, like a show in general for mm -hmm. the same people three nights in a row, I feel like. Well, and then I think that's where the, the repetition of a band like that that's, has done a ton of touring in the past mm -hmm. Um, kind of comes in handy because they're, you know, uh, super tight, you know, well rehearsed, but I wouldn't call it scripted. Yeah. You know, by any stretch, like, you know, we're, we're watching the guitar players and, and they're ad-libbing and playing stuff that we know is not in the record. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and they're really good, but they just have chemistry <laughs> like that. That's yes. what it's like when you watch a bar band play. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. It's just an interesting strategy. And I, I can't think of any other artists that tend to do that. I've seen maybe like a second show added sometimes when cities sell out, but I feel like a lot of bigger names would be successful in doing that. Yeah. Well, like, so Jason Isbell is a Nashville guy these days, I guess. And mm -hmm. he plays like, I don't know these days he's playing like 10 sold out nights at the Ryman in a row because he can Ten? like every year in October, he, he like starts like, Oh yeah, we're playing four nights at the mm -hmm. Ryman. And it, they always add more shows, right. and it becomes yeah, ten. No, that's that's true. And like I, I saw the Rack and Tours a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they did. I want to say they did three nights. I think they did. Three now, nights. I mean, Jack White is a Nashville guy, and yeah, they claim themselves as a Nashville band, so that's that makes sense. But... And I think maybe Nashville is not the best uh, sample market for that's that fair. kind of thing. It's a different. But yeah, place. I think especially the 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 older bands are more inclined to do that. Mm-hmm. And if they get they get like an appropriately sized venue where they know they can actually sell it out every night, and you don't end up with, you know, right, like the whole city played the basement east, which is like a four hundred cap room, as opposed to like doing one night, yeah, at the can at cannery or something. And I mean, it's like it's the same thing for us. Like we'd much rather play a small room and have it at capacity, for sure. You know, it's always yeah, more fun sense. when the room is more full. I think, for yeah. sure. So you've been talking about all sorts of artists. Metal's definitely not tangential to your band so much. Which not artists? Not yet. Is that a hint? <laughs> no, it's, it, it's not. All right. So which artists specifically inspired you to start Benchmarks in the direction that it's been going? So I think the Hold Steady is one of them. Yeah, for sure. I, so... <clears throat> um. I feel like there were kind of two concurrent strains that we were trying to follow there. 
and and that was one of them. You know, kind of um, uh, it, it was kind of a you know um, bar rock with a with a uh, with an emphasis on you know instrumentalism. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? A great guitar playing and and and, and songwriting. Uh, but then we were also kind of listening to a lot of uh, emo revival in yeah, 2015. Like the hotel year. I, think I got yeah, kind of really the hotel <laughs> year and. Um, you know, lots of other bands since then kind of in that. We're big Jimmy World fans. Sure. Yeah, which I that. that's like proto-emo, right? So, right. you know, early yeah. mid-90s. And and like, I remember like listening to, I don't know if you would, if that's technically the first wave of emo, but that was my first wave of emo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, listening to all of those bands and um, and then hearing it come back around again was really cool. Yeah. And we were like, how do we how do we spin this Americana thing into like, like the rock band that we want to be? Yeah. And uh, so I would say that like our last record was kind of a, a, like a foray or like an experiment into trying to integrate yeah, different what, sounds. What, what, what do we like? What can we do with this? Uh-huh. And where does it land? Right. And, and I think we also realized in that process that we have an extraordinary amount of freedom in what we want to try because uh, well, for one, the people that did listen to us were super supportive, mm-hmm. right? Like people in the Americana scene, they were, still like it. We're still willing to listen to it, even though it wasn't strictly in their wheelhouse. Yeah, and that kind of touches on the next question I had for you, which is, do you believe that where you're standing now appeals to the listener bases of those artists? I would like to believe yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, to the extent that like. The people who are listening to those bands in 2015, their artists or their tastes have probably also evolved mm-hmm. uh, in the same ways that ours have. Ours have. Um, so, like, I, you know, we don't, you know, we're not necessarily modeling ourselves after, you know, big mainstream acts, but but they're, you know, they're still, uh, uh, you know, notable artists that that uh, the people that listen to us would probably likely also listen to. For sure. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have nothing to add. Uh, we, we hope so, but, you know, it's uh, it'll be hard to say until the album's out and we've had a little bit of space and can kind of reflect on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can say yes. I meant to say this at the beginning of the episode. Stormy and I discovered you guys independently way before we even started the podcast. Really? Cool. How? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm really curious. <laughs> I don't know about you, Stormy. I found you guys, I think, on one of my Spotify playlists. Okay. Yeah, like, it one was of a, the, like music for you. It pulled on a radio station. Good, it wasn't on Spotify radio. for me. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, all those bands that you listed are bands that we listen to, and whatever formulas are working on those. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, that's cool. Streaming nice services. They, yeah. yeah, they gave you to both of us independently. And we both loved you for months before even realizing that the other person did. (laughs) She, cause you sent it to me and I was like, yeah, I've been listening to them. And (laughs) it was very weird because that doesn't happen most of the time. I think you were literally the first people on our list to interview when we started discussing doing this. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. That's the kind of stuff that warms your heart. Yeah. Well, I, guess, I guess we're not going to quit the band. Yeah. We were going to break up before this podcast. But now. Yeah, you saved them. Glad to inspire uh, you. So yeah. can I tell the story about the uh, 
the algorithm thing oh, earlier this yeah, year. Yeah. This, you know, well, just you mentioned, you know, uh, playlist algorithms in Spotify. And we had like a super weird experience earlier this year um, where you remember how, like, at the end of last year, they issued that uh, um, taste what, breakers. Taste breakers? Or was it? Yeah. It, was, it was essentially a, a curated playlist that they gave you. It's like, here's all the stuff you listened to this year. Here's some stuff that sounds nothing like that. <laughs> Try to get into it. Yeah. And so and we got added to that for like a lot of people. Yeah. And huh. we just we just kind of like loosely follow the analytics on the stream. Maybe that was it. Maybe. But maybe, but like But if you guys are listening to all those bands, you probably you got well, us that was like the thing I noticed about the taste breakers is they didn't seem to be very like taste breaky. Yeah. Yes. I uh, definitely didn't because I was not using Spotify at the end of the year last year. So, okay, so mine fair. was 100% on a radio station. Good time. <laughs> yeah, so, so we saw like a massive spike in, in, in streaming numbers for like three or four months. And yeah. uh, and then it, then it kind of like slowly, you know, uh, dwindled to kind of like normal, normal numbers for us as a band. And I just had that, this moment, this realization, like how kind of at the whim... <laughs> Of, yeah. of of those algorithms, like your uh, well, your career as a musician is well, our our most successful on paper right moment as a band was when we weren't touring and we weren't doing anything but kind of like laying low for the winter, and we get added to this random playlist, and our all of our socials and our our numbers go through the roof because right. someone in some office in New York decided, oh, let's just throw this band on this playlist. And I was probably one of those people. <laughs> that's yeah. So, but uh, you know, it's, it's also kind of uh, liberating at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it's like, well, okay. Some, some, some of this is within our control. Some of it clearly is not. Let's just focus on yeah. you know, making good art. And, and it was cool that we, we retained listeners from that too. Yeah. I mean, we're, super grateful for it obviously but yeah. it was but it was kind of like a bizarre world moment and you know one of the questions that i bring up with a lot of people that are on here i wasn't going to do it today because we've been on it quite a few times but i think it's relevant is i'm always wondering if people would prefer to be playing music in like what we say is like the good old days where there was a heavy scene and everybody came out to shows in their vicinity and they discovered local artists and you kind of grew from that as opposed to like the social media streaming scene that we have now. How do you guys feel about that? Monetarily, I mm. mean, certainly before. They yeah. just, you just, unless you dedicate every single moment of your life to it, you can't make a living playing music unless you're super lucky. Right. Like, I don't want to discount the uh, uh, sort of the, the price of entry, which is like the talent, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and the hard work. Um, but, you know, obviously there is a, a luck component to that as well. Um, yeah, so to answer your question, like, I think if if not easier, the model was at least more straightforward uh, 20 right. years ago. Um, you know, uh, creatively, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, we, we have like kind of an unprecedented access to uh, to other people's music, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it, now is probably a more inspiring time to create. Um, I I just I I have anything that's ever been recorded just about at my fingertips, mm -hmm. and I can listen to it. And I generally kind of try. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I'm very inspired by, and, and not even just music, like it, like everything, all kinds of art. I was gonna and, say you you try harder than most people to ingest everything all the time. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little more selective. I'm, I'm fascinated with, um, just how much is out there and how much stuff out there is so good and it's just made by some kid in his bedroom. Yeah, and that that fascinates me. So I I'm very inspired by that. Um, However, I think we're more inspired by like people five, ten years younger than us than we are. Maybe so. <laughs> Our contemporaries, right. but um, um, so as a as a creator, as an artist, as a writer, I, I'm happy with uh, the tools I have today. Yeah, well, and and too, like uh, fifteen years ago, we wouldn't have been able to record the vast majority of this record in my spare bedroom. Yeah, we, we do it all ourselves. So, like, I mean, <laughs> that's uh, true. And, and like. Yeah, and like as a as like a, as a technician, as an audio engineer, uh, that's um, super empowering, mm -hmm. right? Um, but yeah, it's 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 a mixed bag, right? Because there is a certain rom certain romanticism to the old way of recording, um, you know, to be in large format recording studios with consoles and the whole nine yards. Um, but I, I feel like it's not super constructive for us to spend too much time ruminating on what could have been or mm -hmm. what would what would be different you know because yeah. we are we're here now and we have what we yeah. have <laughs> right no that makes sense and i'm not trying to make you like wishful for years past no 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 no, no. But... <laughs> I think it's a super interesting question and it's something that we talk about all the damn time yeah oh i bet because i think about it all the time and i'm not even in a band so <laughs> you want to be in our band sure <laughs> everybody else is, everybody's in our band i can't do anything but Perfect. <laughs> Give me a tambourine or something. <laughs> Make that happen. We got to record percussion still. So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So following up the last question that I had for you, the last official question I had for you um, about the bands that inspired you. If you could put yourself in a lineup with any bands from any time, who would you choose? Let's do this for each other. Ooh, like, that's who fun. I, who do I think like, you would like choose? Who, like who who would what band would you be in? And then what like you tell me what band I would be in. Wait, are you talking about like like a festival lineup? Like who would we play with? Oh. I would think a show lineup, but I kind of prefer the way that you're going. I like <laughs> this plan better. I like okay. it better. <laughs> Let's do Jack's plan. Yeah. All right, so you're gonna put me in a in a band with people. Yes, right? I'm gonna put you in a band with it, it's too easy though. Yeah. Like, okay, so so Todd is, is definitely going to be a guitarist in Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um, possibly both guitarists, actually. Although he, <laughs> he'd also want to be the bassist because I found out that the bassist apparently writes most of the music, too. That's true. So Todd is going to be all of Iron Maiden. Except, uh, but I'm also going to be, uh, well, maybe just Adam Duritz from Counting Crows is going to be yeah, so. like the other singer. <laughs> Yeah, so if if uh, Adam Duritz was fronting Iron Maiden, that's but then Bruce Dickinson's gone, and I just don't know how. Uh, All right, so you tell me what band I'm in, and I'll and that I'll got try not, out of hand so I'll, <laughs> I'll try not to be offended when you. Uh, Jack is going to, um, Jack is going to really really want to be the bass player in Pedro the Lion, but he's going to end up being the bass player in Goldfinger. <laughs> Perfect. You managed to like encapsulate like the my like cognitive dissonance musically, where like I think I'm one thing, but I'm definitely not. 
That was such a good question, and <laughs> we didn't even think of it, and yeah. now I want to use it again. <laughs> that was so good. Okay. You should. That should be your next Tomcast question. <laughs> the next time that we have you on the show. Yes. For sure. <laughs> you okay oh, over there? <laughs> we got him good. We broke Elena. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Well, it's just that I've got a more serious question following up, and... <laughs> We, we can buffer it. What are you guys listening to right now? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know that. God. Uh, okay, well, now I'm going to have to look at my phone. <laughs> it's all sorts of random crap, depending on the day, because mostly what I do is I take submissions for features on the podcast. So 90% of my listening is a playlist curated by a bunch of people that want to be on here. Huh. That's cool, though. Which That's is cool. like 50-50. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> But that's awesome that people like are seeking you guys out and they want to be like how no, it's awesome fun. Yeah, no, I've like I've met and interacted with a ton of cool people through it. I'm just trying to think of like bands that have really struck my fancy recently. The Wilderness is a big one of uh, big oh, one. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to those without always. The new water park stuff is apparently hitting me in a spot that I didn't know I had. Um, and then the new Grayscale album was really good. Those are all albums I've been hearing a lot about, but I have not listened to yet. <laughs> um, and then I've been listening to Neo Theater by AJR because we're going to see them in October, so. That one too. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out uh, what that website is that tells you what you've been listening to a lot lately. Uh, there's a, I can't remember. There's a website like that? Last yeah. Time. Last uh, FM, I think you're dating yourself there. Is that, do people still use that? I don't know. Okay. No, I mean, it's always for me. I'm not allowed to Actually. mention the Forerunner because Stormy always makes fun of me for it. Um, <laughs> like we, we all like have our token bands that like that we're really into and, and our friends just kind of roll our roll their eyes when we I mention them. I love the new T-Swift record. Just, I'm going to put that on a recording so that it's <laughs> good things. I haven't actually listened to it yet. So that no matter what you guys it, say, go for it. Yeah. No, mine's not embarrassing, but I listen to like AFI every single day. Dude. Yes. Um, <laughs> AFI is on like the, like if there is like the Mount Rushmore for our band, AFI is on that band. That Definitely. Rushmore. Yeah. I mean, she makes no, fun of me because I managed to mention them well, in every single episode. That was a suit. It was a super formative band for me, like, musically. Absolutely. It's not that she listens to them so much, because I totally get it, but it's just every time somebody, she will find a reason to talk about AFI every episode, and it's actually amazing how she well, does well, it. Well, I'm, I'm telling you I don't you know how she manages. I'm telling you that I listen to AFI. Luckily, you're on our podcast, so the AFI I want, podcast. I, I want you, <laughs> the podcast is an AFI podcast? Who yeah. Can you tell me, like, your, your, your top three AFI records in order. Oh God. Because we've had this conversation several times. Yeah. No, you picked your you picked your favorite the other day. I always say Sing the Sorrow because it's the first one that I loved. Absolutely. It's wonderful. I cannot pick a favorite though, because it's just like I love every single one of them. I think <laughs> Yeah, you know, for me actually also uh Art of Drowning is pretty high up there too. I'm getting uh, a tattoo of that next week. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Because, like, for, for me, like, I feel like that's kind of when they turn the corner a mm -hmm. little bit. They they kind of embraced oh, okay. the, the, the kind of gothness, but also still had, like, the street punk yeah. thing going on. Yeah, and... Um, 
not the gothness per se, but like the dark, like yeah, the dark aesthetic. It, yeah. And like, it, it like came to fruition on Sing the Sorrow because that's when that that was a major label record, and mm-hmm. you've got like I think it was Butch Vig, who's a a, yeah. a big time rock producer, working on it, and um, yeah, th- like that's where all the pieces came together. But like what Art of Drowning is when I feel like I first started to hear that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we 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 cover the All Hallows version of Halloween every October. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> my God. I was just listening to that song. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how you to clarify not the Misfits version, the AFI version. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah we, we love AFI, and you'll you'll love our new record if you like AFI. That's that's, <laughs> that's all I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Burials is my dark horse too. Okay, so, I'm glad you yeah. love that album. It doesn't get a lot of love, but I think no. that's actually a very, a really it's solid record. With, so with good. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. There's no song from that album that I like can skip over, but I'm not going to linger on this all day. <laughs> great, great band. And we, Stormy we will kill me. Not band. your fault. We took I'm you there. I'm not kill you. He'll kill me. <laughs> I'll just demonize you a little bit. I have never said that. The only thing I've ever said about you talking about AFI is that it happens every episode. (laughs) I've not said that it was bad. I think I was the first one to point that out, too. You were, and now I'm saying it to you. All right, guys. I'm going to get back on track because I'm being really (laughs) bad about that today. I'm sorry. (laughs) But coming from Nashville, you've got this huge, diverse music scene right outside your front doors. Do you feel like that's been helpful in getting you where you are today? Or has it been kind of harder to get your toe in the door because there's so much going on? It's certainly a little bit of both. Um, I think, um, so when we were kind of doing the Americana thing, um, I was living in East Nashville and I was friends with like that scene, I guess. Um, And that scene is all also like punk rock guys and stuff, but, you know, playing that kind of like uh, tripped out America. Yeah, there's a there's a weird cross section between like, you know, like old punk rockers and people that are playing yeah, Americana yeah. now. Um, and so I, I think that helped us initially, just being friends and being able to play shows. Like we got to play shows with some people who are pretty big now. Right. Um, like who? <laughs> like the worst humble brag. I like like <laughs> John Moreland's pretty big now. Um, yeah. Um... That's pretty much it. <laughs> no, no, there, there are, there are other artists that we have seen go on to have success in that genre. Mm-hmm. Aaron Lee Tashin's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, uh, Austin like, Lucas came through a lot. Yeah, yeah and we played with him. Uh, yeah. The... So, yeah, I mean, all that to say, there was, there was a bit of like built-in community. I uh, think that was that our was initial helpful. bump, and that was kind of why we stuck around that scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it got. To, like we said earlier, it kind of got to a point where it was like, well, let's maybe we should just make music that we enjoy. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's not that we don't enjoy that. But. It's hard to <laughs> it's hard to figure out who you are mm-hmm. musically because, um, you know, so I, I'm from a small town in Texas. Uh, Todd moved around a lot, but you were from similarly small towns, right? Uh, At time, Atlanta, you know. Well, you were in the you were in the suburbs. So. <laughs> yeah. It's so small. It doesn't, it doesn't count. <laughs> I know. Um, and and when you're in those in those in the suburbs or, or in a small town, um, you know, you're sort of making music in a little bit of a vacuum, mm-hmm. which uh, which is good and bad because you know you don't you don't necessarily get all the feedback and all of the uh, you know 
all of the all the influence, but you also kind of get to pursue what interests you with blinders on. Yeah. Uh, whereas true. when you're in a town like Nashville, you're constantly bombarded uh, with other people's art. Mm -hmm. um, you and, know. and like, there's a lot of different music going on in Nashville. Mm -hmm. We just like I think our friend group just happened to be in that scene. Right. Um, at, at the time, I guess. Yeah. And well, uh, so so you know, we, we kind of just gravitated towards it. But I'll, I'll also say, you know, Nashville's grown so much and the scene has grown so much that um, it's almost outgrown itself to where, like, I can barely book us a show in town. Mm -hmm. Like, like if, if friends are touring and they want to come play Nashville, it's really hard to get them a show because there's just a huge show everywhere every single night. Yeah. So for us, we actually found more success hitting the road than we did playing local right because you know it's outside of nashville there's not a hundred shows happening at night so we can go play in bowling green or in right. uh, you know tuscaloosa or somewhere and like people come out and they enjoy it and they research so whereas um you yeah know, in nashville it's like uh i guess we'll just go to this show tonight probably not the other cool like thing less competition right yeah, you, you're awesome. you're you're not competing with you know, uh, you know, ten uh, potential headliners, you mm -hmm. know, uh, on a given Friday night. But the other, you know, one nice thing about being here is there's so much talent um, that uh, there. If you're looking for people to play with and people to right. be people to collaborate with, there's there's an abundance of those. Yeah, and I I feel like there's kind of this like there's sort of this chasm, right? Because when you're when you're in high school, when you're in early college, that's like a structured time when you can be around people your age who are, you know, possibly interested in the same things you're interested in. And like, that's like a, that's like a, like a, like a band factory. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Especially yeah, yeah. we went to a small music school, so it was. Oh yeah, go figure. That's, that's how it was. <laughs> right. Um, but then, you know, you graduate or, you know, you, you start working or whatever. And, uh, and then it gets a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so in that phase, it's nice to be in Nashville where there are so many people with a musical background. Yeah, um, the, the uh, that that kind of community never really goes away. Right. No matter, like you know, we're we're both like thirty plus. I'm a dad. Right. Like we're we're not like people who you would think of like oh yeah you guys are totally band dudes, but right. we we are. <laughs> well, and like you know, and in Nashville, like you can bet that. Like your barista at any coffee shop can outplay you. Yeah, you know, so 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 it breaks down your ego real fast. Yeah, uh, which is good. But you spend the barista down the street plays for Chris Stapleton. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, so you spend the. <laughs> That's amazing. You spend the next you spend the next decade Wild. like built building back up your your self image. You know what I mean? Like your mm -hmm. your your creative identity, and I feel like we're now getting back to a place of. Um, yeah, you know, a little bit of self-assurance, maybe like a um, more confident making art in a super saturated atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So are there any particularly supportive venues that you've found, like places that you either frequent often or they uh, just do a good job of promoting local I artists? I would like to add to this question um, because the last time I went to Nashville and like we didn't search out this out but um i noticed that everywhere we went into everybody was just playing covers are there like 
places that are more open to like you go downtown new music if you were downtown then all you got was covers yeah, and that's the problem. It was a bachelorette party, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> really have a choice in the matter. You're the problem. <laughs> yes, just, it just was the it. worst. So, I actually hated it. I was like, we're in a city full of people who are probably making their own music, and nobody's playing their own music. Anyway, uh, so you, Broadway in like the downtown scene is like very much. Um, it's it's almost like like there are shifts where like all right, I'm gonna play at. Um, Tootsie's. I'm going to play the 6 to 9 shift and then I have a break from 9 to 10 and then I'm going to play the 10 to 1 a.m. shift at the stage down the way and like the, a lot of musicians that's how they make a living they just like they have their guitar and their you know their pedal board they just walk bar to bar and they play covers with whoever they've got a job yeah. with that day. And, and they're they're awesome and they're like, all, we're yeah. not knocking them insane because, musicians because that's oh no like, everyone was good it was never that it was just well, and that's that's like what people go down Stuts there. to me. A lot of times yeah. to hear, like they want to the drink and, and, it's, and, and listen it's, it's to... It's like going to New Orleans and go to Bourbon Street. It's Yeah, like... I'm... See, I'm the odd one out in that atmosphere right. then, so... so but if try somewhere else. Like, if you pop over to, like, the east side, or, I mean, there's a lot of really great venues. The Five Spot's always kind of been my home bar. Mm-hmm. A lot of that had to do with... Because I used to live with the bar manager. Um, <laughs> And but like uh, uh, like um, the high watts a big high watt there's 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 a complex on Eighth Avenue it's it's three venues together it's a cannery ballroom and mercy, mercy lounge, lounge and, and the high watt and the high watts the small room yeah and that's kind of like been our kind of home venue yeah. I guess you could say is that also because we know the bar manager yeah okay yeah <laughs> who also plays in a rad band Francis and the Foundation who you should also check out plug number two yeah um but yeah uh. uh High Watt's great. Um, um, the, the East Room's cool. We, we've played the basement a couple of times. The, oh, yeah. The, I mean, the basement's kind of classic. Um, yeah. It's literally a basement that's under what used to be Grimey's record shop. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the, amazing. these are still like, they're formal venues. Like, they're not like, you know, they're not like houses necessarily. Yeah, they're not DIY spots. They're actual venues and stuff. But Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I saw Mariana's Trench at the cannery, I think. Oh, cool. It's really cool in there. Yeah, Cannery's an interesting room because it's kind of like tilted. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. What What did we see at Cannery last? We We went to see the Wonder Years, didn't we? Yeah, we saw the Wonder Years, and that was like a, a like a giant pop punk. Yeah, it really. <laughs> Extravaganza show. It It was super fun. Um, we stuck out like a sore thumb. Though. <laughs> yeah, we, there. Like it's the only time in that room I've ever seen a barricade, not in front of. I mean, there was one in front of the stage, but it was also like. In front of the bar, right? Because like oh, you, no. had to, you had to be eight or you had to be twenty-one and up to pass. The, and we're, we're just sitting there like, well, no, you uh, and you went to see kids he here. Thrice too, didn't you? Say again. You went. He went to see thrice. Oh yeah, that's the, my wife and I. Like two days after we got married, went to see thrice. Well, and it was the same night that uh, my wife and I were going to see Not a Surf in the other venue. Yeah, they were yeah, playing yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, there's a lot of really really cool and a lot of cool original music. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more, even like good punk rock stuff coming out of Nashville too. It's just harder to mm-hmm. hear above kind of the one the top forty country thing, and then like yeah. the kind of like underground but not so underground anymore Americana scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so going off of that, and you guys have kind of touched on it already. Who are your favorite local artists? Uh. 
it's 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 probably another genre thing. But as far as like bands that we kind of play with, mm -hmm. Francis and the Foundation is kind of our buddy band. Mm -hmm. um, uh, trying to think, I, there's a newer. They're kind of based in both Knoxville and Nashville, but there's this band called Rough Dreams. Um, they're kind of, you know, in that bands inspired by hot water music category. Um, <laughs> they're really cool. Um, I don't know. And, you know, like our, our, the, the difficulty in answering this question, I think like kind of speaks to like a bigger phenomenon <laughs> that like, uh, uh, not, um, not the dissolution of the scene necessarily, but but sort of the the diaspora, like yeah. the fact that that there there is so much, but it's kind of spread out and it's in small pockets. And uh, we, you know, over the years have actually had trouble playing with people that sound like us in this town for sure. Uh, yeah, we we've often ended up booked with bands and other genres, and you know, we're kind of. Um, sort of trying trying to bring audiences over to the dark side as it were yeah. <laughs> why do you think that is is there just not a lot of people that sound like you out there or oh i don't think that we're not that original <laughs> <laughs> uh i i don't know like i think maybe it's a maybe it's a regional thing in, in a in a city thing but one we're a little bit older than maybe yeah. a lot of the bands that are playing the same kind of music we are yeah. um like so we just like we play shows sometimes with some of these bands, but like usually, um, I don't know, like we got to play with Iron Sheik when they came to town. Yeah, I was going to say, was like, cool, we, but... we like, we have, have had great relationships and, and kind of hit it off with some of those similar bands that have toured through Nashville. Right. That are in similar genres. But, but kind of, I guess the bands that um, are around town that sound like us are either younger or are maybe like kind of surpassed us career-wise. Right. Yeah, no, I think, and I think like a lot of times those scenes are like college centric, mm -hmm. right? Like, cause um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's easier to be in a band mm -hmm. when, when you're that age. Yeah. Right. And so like, there's sort of this like attrition or drop off after college where some people stop doing it cause it's, you know, either inconvenient or they're just, you know there's there's other higher priorities and there's nothing wrong with that yeah yeah, yeah. but um but like we've kind of stuck it out a little bit and kind of continued to make it work and mm -hmm. um and also in this town i think if you're playing rock music you're kind of playing maybe more on the uh you're playing more on the leonard skinnerd side of rock music than the clash side of rock music <laughs> that's fair um and that, not that there's anything bad with that but that's just kind of tends to be like so if we're if we get booked to play with another rock band there's going to be a little bit more twang than maybe we have or like that a, makes sense yeah do you remember that that time we got called in to be the opening band for the nirvana tribute band yeah like that was it's that kind of thing like so this you know touring established nirvana tribute act is coming to mercy lounge and you know, it's it's selling well, but they don't have an opener. So we get the call because we're like the token kind of punk rock band in town. Um, we don't sound like Nirvana, but, <laughs> but, but who else are they going to call? You know what I mean? That, that was funny. that was a super interesting gig because like, isn't the drummer was uh, the drummer from Evanescence? Yeah, the drummer was the drummer from Evanescence. Oh, 
some really interesting stories. Yeah. <laughs> Stormy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I was already thrown with the Nirvana uh, what, tribute band thing. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then you said it was the drummer from Evanescence. What's happening here? You just have, okay. to, you just have to expect Whoa. weird things to happen. Yeah. That's nuts. Okay. It's a weird town. <laughs> that's really cool, though. It is neat. Yeah, we How did you feel when you got that call? Well, we didn't know who, like, we were just like, we actually, I think that was the night we played with Iron Sheik at the High Watt, which is like the smaller venue in the same building. And we're kind of friends with the staff there. And the guy was like, um, you know, kind of after our set, like we got paid and we did the thing. And he was like, hey, I got this show tomorrow night and I don't know what to do with it. We need an opening act. Do you guys want to play again? And we we're like, I don't, you know, we just played. Like, I, think I don't think we're going to draw anybody. He's like, you don't have to draw anybody. I just have to have somebody play before this. <laughs> and we're like, like our. And then he's like, I'll give you $200. It's like, we, yes. We, we literally <laughs> sure. we, we set up our gear across the front of the stage so like like um a lot of times you know on a small stage you know maybe you'll share a drum kit mm -hmm. or you'll you're, you'll backline some things so that you don't end up with everybody's gear on stage at once um but you know when we showed up to the venue their whole stage setup was already there yeah and it was like these giant um uh can like fake candles everywhere yeah there were candles oh, it, everywhere it looked like and... the nirvana mtv unplugged set exactly. oh, okay um, yeah um and it was really cool looking definitely and but we, we ended up kind of like set up in a line across the front of the stage i think my <laughs> drum kit was like literally four feet from the edge yeah oh my god yeah it, it was insane but like it was it was cool hey and there were people there there were and, people there and, and then people, people bought merch from us to otherwise yeah you know? and you know the that's and then we talked to that band and they enjoyed us and the drummer yeah. was like yeah i played evanescence and <laughs> and they were they were weird flex but okay they, they were they were really good too, they, they were good and they were very kind i shouldn't have said it like that and, and that that apparently is the distinction between a cover band and a tribute band <laughs> is that they're good well no just the, the attention to detail man yeah yeah they had it down it was impressive we gave him our cd he was like oh yeah i'll call you guys and he didn't get a call <laughs> Oh, it's like, don't, don't say that. You don't mean that. Yeah, you don't mean that. <laughs> okay. You're not going to. I've done this before. You yeah, should right. follow up relentlessly. I I did follow him on my Instagram. I like, I commented a few times. Like, hey, when are you going to call me? <laughs> you what, said you'd call. What is that called? If you make like? it cringy enough, they will call. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Elena. Being the person that gets the cringy emails, <laughs> I can tell you that's how it works. That only works with you. Everyone that, else just ignores it. Yeah, that's that's one way it can turn out, and the other way is a restraining order. <laughs> Either way, results. <laughs> Attention, one way or another, right? Okay, right. so that's Nashville in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> So next question. <laughs> All right, sorry. I'm gonna stop laughing. <laughs> All right, so Todd, you just announced your contribution to an album called One Great Tribute, A Love Letter for the Weaker Thans. What pulled you towards that project? Um, I kind of snuck into it. Um, a lot of friends um were on it. Um and I like we both of us are huge weaker thans fans. Um like John K. Samson is probably one of my top like lyrical um 
inspirations, I guess, and um, just kind of uh, messaged the dude, and I was like, I don't know if you have a full roster or not, but I would love to contribute a song. Um, and he said, yes, can you give me a song in a week and a half? And I said, yes, no, not knowing that I could actually do that. Um, so like on, literally on my lunch break, I would come home and like track a guitar part and send it to Jack. Like, is this okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just have to say yes and make it work. Yeah. That's generally how our band is functioned. That's how our first album got made. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. The, the weaker Dance is one of those bands that, um, if somebody says we sound like the weaker Dance, we take it as a tremendous compliment. Yeah. And people say it a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, for, for a lot of reasons, but you know, the, um, the primary of which being that the, the the lyrics and the songwriting, uh, the the craft is just so strong, you know, and uh, and also kind of like the the sonic textures of it too. So like, um, it's it's like a it's it's a very organic sounding band. It's a band that sounds like a band. Yeah. Right. And uh, you know, lots of guitars, and um, it's just. I don't know. It, it just ticks a lot of boxes for like things I want to hear sonically. Yeah, if that makes sense. They're just so they're just a great band. Yeah. Um, and that that's funny because as somebody that hasn't listened to them regularly, I feel like they sound a lot like you. I'll take yeah, it. Well, they, yeah. they, they they're definitely heavily influenced by benchmarks. Yeah. Right. Y- yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. We 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 actually have we've discussed this. We have like a, a Mount Rushmore of songwriters. Yeah. Like that we that like we don't necessarily always sound like those bands, but we we try to take, you know, their, um, uh, you know, ideas from them in terms of song structure, and then and then just kind of put, uh, you know, our. Uh, our thing yeah our thing whatever that is i'm not trying to say that you guys like took anything from them <laughs> no no no, no I, we absolutely I can definitely did. see the influence there if, 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 yeah <laughs> if, you're, if you're not taking things from other great artists then you're you're missing yeah. opportunity yeah um uh, yeah it, and it was it was just a cool project and uh was happy to be part of it and it's a um well and we got some great help from a couple of friends yeah uh, uh the on that track is my friend Camille Faulkner. She plays with Julian Baker and Boy Genius. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but um, Julian Baker's like the real deal. Um, yeah, she's huge and she's awesome. And well, and so is Camille apparently. Because yeah, Camille's <laughs> I will incredible. I, I hadn't heard her before. And and Todd brings in this this track that's a um, it's got strings and, and BGVs on it. And I was like, well, crap! I don't have to do anything to this. It sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, she she really killed it. Uh, and, she knocked it out of the park and kind of like opened up a, a different texture that like I I hadn't heard for, uh, you know, your music. Before. It, it's definitely it's definitely the most different track that I've done in a while. In yeah. you know, uh, apart from like death metal, <laughs> right? And then and then we were able to send it you know to Scotty, uh, a, mm-hmm. a friend of ours, uh, our friend Scotty Sandwich in North Carolina. He plays in a band called Almost People, and um, and he did a a mix for us on on short notice so that was super helpful yeah it's a uh, just it's cool to be a part of it cool cool to put something out too because it's been a while for us we've been working on this record so it's nice to like get a track out there just to be like hey we're still here yeah see that previous <laughs> conversation about release strategy yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that's a perfect segue because i was going to ask you about the new album is it still due for this fall no but we ha- but we have some concrete deadlines that we're working yes on, so. uh 
originally it was due for this fall, and that was um, that was under the impression that we would be able to have it mixed by this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in talk with with the mixing engin- engineer that we're using, um, he he wasn't available till October. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. So we were like, well, I guess we could put it out this year, but if putting out anything like in November and December is kind of just suicide for that project. Um, <laughs> So we'll we'll wait till next year to do it, and that'll also give us more time to kind of plan, see what we want to do, see you know how we want to release, how we want to you know maybe tour on it, what kind of our strategy with that is. You right. want to send us all of the the music, mm. and then let us. Well, since you guys were nice, nice enough track. to come on our podcast. <laughs> I think we both have kind of a love-hate relationship with the process, right? Because like, yeah, we enjoy working on it so much, and and we do a lot of a lot of writing and tweaking in the studio. Uh, by the studio, I mean this room here. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, and that's like been a lot of fun and and kind of really cathartic. And um, but uh, you know, an album is a really big undertaking um, when you do it in two or three hour chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be super disciplined about it. We've got have made more spreadsheets uh, yeah. than I care to admit. It, it And it's an interesting process for us, too, because I think within Benchmarks, the two of us are a very left-brain, right-brain situation. Mm. I'm obviously going to, like, have some bizarre idea and roll it up in my hand and throw it at a wall, and Jack's going to take it and make it into something that actually works. Um, well, like, yeah, like, uh, so... Um... You know, there. I think there was a time where I thought, like, vocationally, like, what I wanted to do was be a producer, and and that's always kind of where I got the most the most joy out of it was, um, is trying to kind of make sense of the chaos, um, and and also I found that was like that was the way I was most productive when I was helping people shape their ideas, and and making contributions, obviously, but like, um, sort of in a really like kind of reciprocal mm-hmm. creative relationship. You know, I, I've done things, you know, on my own at times, but I never found that they moved as quickly as I wanted to, uh, or, or maybe it just, the process didn't have as much joy. So I think we both benefit tremendously from, you know, from the relationship. Absolutely. I can see that. And without like diving too far into it, because I don't want you guys to divulge like too much information. I don't know how secretive you're keeping this release. How do you? <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. How do you feel that it compares to your previous releases? Like, are there a lot of similarities that you feel like you've drawn from, or is this heading in a totally different direction? I don't know. Did you like our last release? <laughs> I loved it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have you on here. We loved it. Or we uh, wouldn't have joined you guys. Sorry, I forgot that we reversed this. Oh yeah, yeah, we're on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in between the last record in this one uh i've discovered that i just really like playing guitar or maybe rediscovered that i really like playing guitar so there's gonna certainly be a lot more guitar solos Mm -hmm. um and i wouldn't say that's like the defining characteristic of this album but it's definitely something that we've kind of decided like this is a tool that we have why not go for it yeah uh yeah i think we we leaned into um sort of the the instrumental aspects a little more Mm -hmm. um i you know during like through the process of making the last record and then you know through the release and kind of the the 
the following year, we had a lot of time to kind of think about, you know, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we would have done differently. And mm-hmm. we came into this with some really clear ideas about how we wanted to approach recording, um, you know, uh, and had a much clearer vision for what the end product should sound like than we did going into yeah. the last record. The, the last record, honestly, kind of almost killed me to make. <laughs> um, it, 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 like I'm very proud of it, but it was a very frustrating experience. I, 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 I was also playing in a different band called Two Cow Garage, and so I would go on tour with them, come home, we'd record a little bit, mm-hmm. and then maybe we would go on tour and then come home and record a little bit. God, and it was, uh, it was a really tough. It was tough on me. Um, well, and Goldie, and 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 now I have a you know one year old daughter. Um, since the last record came out, I've gotten married, had a kid. Uh, Donald Trump's been elected president. Uh, lots, <laughs> that, lots that, changed. That, that took about twenty years off of all of our lives. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> um, so there's a lot of, uh, I, you know, this record's a little. I, I think lyrically is some of my favorite stuff I've ever written. Um, I think the tone might be a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. Just process-wise, though, like, like there were a lot of guitars on the last record for sure, um, but, um, but I don't know that anything was as prominently featured as it is on the new record. Like, um, they, I think they have more of a melodic role this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, ironically, there's like actually fewer guitar tracks recorded for the record, but like it. But it, uh, but it takes a more central role, and it's and it's more kind of symbiotic in the way that it plays off of the vocals and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, very. I think the last time for, when writing our undivided attention, I kind of would come to the band. I was like, hey, I got this kind of song idea. Um, let's let's just put electric guitars on it mm-hmm. and make it happen. This time around, it was very much kind of doing a lot of writing and a lot of rearranging and a lot of re-rearranging. Yeah, we did a lot of work tapes before this one. Before we even recorded anything. Um, I mean, recorded. There's like a thousand voice memos on my iPhone. Um, Well, and I will say this. So I didn't play drums on the last record. Um, I I just played guitar or some guitar uh, and focused on um, engineering and producing. And... I thought that was going to, um, for, you know, free up more mental space and obviously my hands, and it did to a certain extent. But um, I also kind of lost something from the process. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played drums on this record, and we did, we actually did a lot of rehearsing and like working out drum parts. Yeah. And you know, it allowed me to to go into the session feeling like, like I knew what I was going to do before I went in there. Yeah. And that sounds like super basic, but. I think a lot of people find themselves in the studio not really knowing what they're going to do before you hit the record button. Yeah, I know that absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to shave like 30 minutes off of every single episode. We're going to have to <laughs> shave do. about an hour <laughs> off of this one. No, I mean, there's nothing. I was thinking about that because we have been on for a while. There's nothing that I can think that I'd even want to take out. We'll have a long episode. Might just be a long episode. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> All right, guys, so I know you said you already that you're not really sure about 
touring after the next album comes out, but are there any stops that you'd ideally want to make if you end up doing that? I would, I'd like to do a run with Baby with Bud Bronson and go to Denver. Yeah, Denver's cool. Um, we, we, I've played Denver, but we've never, as this band, played Denver. Um, we, I, Columbus, Ohio is kind of another town that we do pretty well in, and we have a lot of friends in, so we'd like to go to Columbus. We've kind Probably, of got like a little circuit in yeah. each region that we try to... Denton, Dallas, Texas area. Yeah. Um, North Carolina, like Raleigh. Lexington. Yeah, so basically everywhere, but making about like $7 in each town. Yeah, and, <laughs> and doing it three cities at a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I think we're at a place in, we're at a place maybe 2019 being a band mm-hmm. at our age in this caliber or whatever you want to say. Um, Strata, tier yeah. of... Uh, we're very self-aware and very um, comfortable, I guess, with what we can and can't do. Like, I'm very comfortable with recording a really awesome record, putting it out there and playing as many shows as I can. But I'm not, and we're not in a place where we're trying to destroy ourselves to become Jimmy World, because that's just not a thing that happens really anymore. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather play fewer really important and intentional shows mm-hmm. than stretch out 40 dates amongst a couple of months and, you know, come back broke and kill ourselves and we're both divorced. I, I, and... I, would, I, would, say, I would say we're more, uh, we're probably more mental health advocates for musicians than we are actual musicians. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. I love that. I really do. I wonder how people like go about doing these like year-long stretches of touring without it just like reaping havoc on they, uh, it just they, does they, they don't. <laughs> it's, it just no, reaps havoc and then you have to it, yeah. and... I, I don't want to project you know on everybody and assume that you know everybody has the same you know uh limitations or desires or yeah. ambitions that certainly I do. people can and and will do, do it and we're grateful for those people because they make great art but mm-hmm. um but you kind of have to have to run your own race a little bit, and yep. um, you know, uh, like you mentioned, you know, we're uh, we're family people, you know, and um, yeah, we're we're kind of at peace. Yeah, you have to be very uh, you have to be comfortable with your contribution to the greater you know music world or the, the maybe just the world in general yeah. and and if if my contribution can be making a cool piece of art that somebody enjoys that's that's going to satisfy me because at this point i know that i don't need or necessarily want to be on the road 100 days a year like i used to be uh, and, and i mean maybe you know to your point like that's going to be part of a like a broader tapestry of what your contribution is yeah you know yeah, and, yeah. um and that, and I think for us musically, uh, that's probably still being determined to a large extent. I hope, mm-hmm. you know, we're still uh, working on what that what that contribution will be. Yeah, I just want to make cool shit. Can I can I say? Sh- I'm sorry. Yeah, you. Can yeah, I literally <laughs> last episode. I think I said fuck like probably 130 times. Cool. Almost as many times as you said AFI. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Almost. All right, guys, this kind of derails from exactly what you just said. (laughs) 
But are there any wild show or tour stories that you have? Or just uh, something weird anything that happened? Just, anything. Uh, it happened. I don't know. I'm trying to think of things. I don't. So, my friend Shane, who I used to play in a band with, has this great quote. And so I, because I can't think of a particular story, but um, in traveling, he says, you know, we forget better stories than most people ever remember. Um, and I, I think that's very true because uh, I, I, there are thousands and thousands of amazing memories that if I'm in conversation with these guys, it'll be like, oh man, do you remember that time when this happened and we played this show in this city and all this crazy stuff happened and like that guy tried to fight us and then all and like, like there's like so many of those and, and then so many just like really, really wonderful moments of, you know, people's kindness and people um you know just going above and beyond to help like a couple of dudes that they like their music um but i just i can't like in this moment think of it right. <laughs> yeah yeah because I'm sure because, I'm because, because that's how it is and it's <laughs> um so i know that's not maybe the the fun answer but that's kind of a no. that's that's my answer <laughs> no, totally I, like, I really dig it i like that quote a lot that's really cool Same. Trying to work it into a song eventually, but it hadn't hit it yet. Oh, that'd be awesome. Are there any bands that you've toured or played with that have left an impression on you? Uh, definitely, as we were saying earlier, Bud Bronson and the Good Timers. They, um, uh, they're just they just became good friends, and they're an inspiring band, and um, we really like them a lot. Um, I so the the biggest tour that I've ever been on, and this was apart from Benchmarks, but this is when I was playing with Two Cow Garage. We went on tour with Frank Turner, and that was like the most pro tour I've ever been yeah. on. Like sound check, set, set, set. You know, and mm -hmm. um, but it was really inspiring to watch them work in that situation, um, and how tight they were, and how like you know I would watch them in sound check, and they would really. Uh, turn the screws on like fine tuning songs that maybe the night before didn't sound good or even like where are you going to be on stage during this time because I don't want to bump you or you know like that kind of stuff and stuff that you don't really think about when you're like just going to go play a show at the bar but like these guys take it so seriously and they're so good at it um and it, that was like a really kind of cool thing to watch there's definitely like after going to a show like that there's there's so many things to emulate mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah I mean uh I saw Iron Maiden this summer, and it's big hand, surprise. There. Hands down, I, I've never seen anything so insane. Like they, like they had a set change for every single song, and it was, um, that I mean that's a that's an aside, but like watching things like that is really inspiring. Watching people who are like really good and really successful mm -hmm. at it. Yeah. So and, hold on, you saw Iron Maiden, and you weren't every single part of the band. It, I know it, it surprised <laughs> me too. You didn't just hop up on there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah like even even being a, like a really uh small band there are still things that you can you can do even on this level to try to like um to, yeah to try to emulate those groups you yeah. know what i mean it's a, yeah it, it, if it's something as simple as like you know uh everybody showing up uh you know on time for load in and right well yes <laughs> sometimes that's the hardest part of all right. yes um yeah it's i don't know it's it's more fun when you 
when you try to exercise a little bit of professionalism and like take take it seriously, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know it. Um, it's hard. It's hard to do um, night after night if if you don't like have a system and like kind of the trust. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean of your of your band. Yeah, uh, touring is certainly not. I mean, it is for some people, but it's certainly not the. All right, we're gonna drive the band to this town. We're gonna get hammered. We're gonna play, and then we're gonna crash on somebody's floor, and then we're gonna go to the next town. Um, it's like, I I buy a gallon of water every single day I'm on tour, so I can just like, that's I, I'm just my job is to drink this before I get to the venue, so I can mm. stay hydrated and relatively healthy enough to survive the rest of this tour. You I know think what I mean? the last trip we went out on, like we were we were both the first ones up, down eating continental breakfast. In the hotel lobby, <laughs> yeah, like watching the news. Yeah, it's because you guys partied all night, right? You never went to bed, right? Exactly. <laughs> sure. I mean, and there's certainly nights when, like, man, we had a good show. Let's have a couple beers and hang out. But it's not. Uh, that's not like the norm. The norm is like yeah, trying to survive. <laughs> I'm in the bed by 10 p.m. Camp. <laughs> nice, dude. Yeah. I'm the more sleep, the better. <laughs> well. So I, I'm really, I'm really curious though. You, you said you're probably one of those people curating those playlists uh, on Spotify. What did you mean by that? Exactly? No, I meant occupying those playlists when you oh, said okay. that um, you had like a surge of people following you. And oh, I see. Okay. Well, I just, I ask because like you, like, um, so like, Todd works at a at a performing rights organization. Like that's his day job. So he's in the music industry. I, I work at a music tech company. So I was. <laughs> Just, yeah, we're always interested. <laughs> like, in... where are those analytics coming from? No, no, yeah, I, I, I was just curious if you, if you, uh, if you had some some separate day job in the in the music industry that I didn't know about. No, I wish. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, be, uh, be careful what you ask. Yeah, for. you don't necessarily wish that. It, it might make you hate music. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. All right, guys. So the last question I have for you is totally fucking random, and it kind of goes against everything that you've said so far against like making it big and <laughs> all of that stuff. So just in the event that 20 years from now you've become like internationally famous, you can tour however much you want, release however much you want. Maybe you stop now and you just make it big. Um, what actors would you pick to play in your biopic? I don't remember. Well, hopefully it's famous and not infamous. Yeah. It is really bad. The first people that popped into my head were like, like Edward Norton. Nice. (laughs) Or, uh, like, (laughs) how did you even do that? just tipped over. It caught on the blanket that was draped over the edge. I'm, I would appreciate if you guys would be a little bit more professional well, on the I, podcast. I knew I knew it wasn't I knew I, what I said wasn't very funny, so I, I figured something had to have happened. I told Stormy like four weeks ago when I got this chair I was gonna end up falling out of it at one point because the back swivels like this. So I lean on it and I guess my weight just became too much for it. <laughs> Oh, I, do you, do you I can't believe you just fell out of your chair. Okay, I sorry. Was, it was going to happen at some point. <laughs> I can't even name an actor, but I know that, um, uh, what's her name? Who's who's Veronica Mars? 
Oh, Kristen. Uh, Kristen. So Bell. I know that Kristen Bell would probably play my wife. <laughs> so that would probably make Dax the guy that would play me. Oh man, that's like the best answer I could hear. I'm from. into it. Yeah. They are my favorite people in the world. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I can I actually just replace you and with Dax Shepard? That's and, fine. Okay. Yeah, it's for the best. Is your wife best. like Kristen Bell though? Like. My, yeah, she's. I need she's, to meet her. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful person. Put me in she's, contact. She, she might kill me if I don't go home in twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. We gotta put her kid down to bed. Oh, I'm sorry. This was our last question. Oh no, 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 no. I didn't mean. I didn't mean that as a whatever. Well, thank you guys for talking with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank it was a lot of fun. On the, the first podcast. Um, we'll have to get you on again when the record of course comes out. And, <laughs> sounds good. In, in all seriousness, though, like thank you for listening to our music. That means a whole lot to us. No, so we cool. love you guys. Yeah. That's it's cool to hear because you know, like especially with the internet and everything, you kind of bands like us kind of exist in this vacuum of mm-hmm. uh, maybe people like us. I don't really know. Spotify mm-hmm. says like somebody's listening. Right. So thank you guys. It's yeah, that's really, super really validating. Cool. No, thank you. Keep putting it out. Keep entertaining us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stay in touch on the no email, pressure. and uh, we'll get Absolutely. you guys a sneak peek link when uh, when it comes time. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Oh, Would you guys mind pl- uh, plugging your socials before we go, just in case sure. anybody wants to follow uh, you? You can get the band at um, it's on Instagram and Twitter, and probably Facebook works a similar way too mm-hmm. at Benchmarks Music. Um, my personal one is at Todd Farrell Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you forget what any of those things are, you can you can find the links at benchmarksmusic.com. Yeah, yeah. benchmarksmusic.com is kind of the, the hub. Mm-hmm. And we put everything in our show notes, so. Awesome. Awesome. You can just click it there, too. Thank you, guys. Thank, this was amazing. Yeah. No, thank you. It's, it's just, fun, so it's just fun talking with music fans. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> fans of no, anybody's music, not just You have music. no idea how excited we were for this. <laughs> She cool. told me that uh, you guys had answered our email, and I got so excited that I screamed in my office at work. So I didn't know that, but that's really cute. So, <laughs> when I'm screaming in my office at work, it's for a totally different reason. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's for a different reason, but this time it was good. So We were also Thanks. really excited to get the email from you guys. It's really, really cool, and um, this was a lot of fun. So thank you. Let's do it again. All right, yeah. For sure. All right, you guys have a good night. Okay. Bye guys, thank you. Help me find a way out, cause I can't be alone now. haven't seen it already we did put the video of that on our instagram i like how at the beginning of the episode i was pretending to be all secretive but really i immediately shared that to every single oh one yeah of our it's socials. been on our uh socials since last wednesday yeah amazing yeah your dad shared it i know he did <laughs> he thought it was hilarious he wanted it to go viral so bad he 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 really did. Did I think he commented on it and said that?
Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> this needs to go viral. And then he told me, you're going to go viral. I was like, I don't think so, but okay. At Elena's <laughs> expense. <laughs> yeah. If that Honestly, oh. if that's the way we get put on the map, it just seems like it's uh, meant to be. I'll tell you, I really <laughs> fucked up my toe when I did that. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. Um, but it would be worth it if, you know, got my fame. If, if that's how <laughs> if that's how we got famous, by you falling yeah. out of a chair. No, it's not like I broke it or anything, but it definitely it pulled the skin back. So Yuck. A yummy kind of bleeding injury. <laughs> <laughs> that was so gross. That's really gross. All right. All right. If you guys want to see a picture of that, you can check out our socials. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can put that on your own socials, but... Uh... I actually, I did after... Um, ah, fuck it. I already made the mention this episode. After the AFI show, I, like... I didn't wear socks under my converse which was gross but i had fishnets on and i just didn't think about putting socks on over top of them yeah and um i got the worst bleeding blisters Ugh. across the back of my heels so i posted an instagram story with uh the strength through wounding intro which is like through our bleeding we are one <laughs> ridiculous that was um totally needless for me to talk about so whatever <laughs> I'm anyway, you can check us out. <laughs> you can check us out on socials at I'm Not Okay Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm Not Okay Podcast on Facebook. And you can email us at I'm Not Okay Pod at gmail dot com. I'm sorry, I reversed that. I don't know why I did. <laughs> no, that's fine. I think it was because you did the email so perfectly the last time. Yeah, we just had to mess it up this time for sure. I'm just, yeah, well, I'm just scared of saying the email again because I really had a hard time with it last week. Yeah, well, shit happens. It shouldn't because I'm perfect. Perfect. And I talk good. Uh, was there anything else that we you wanted talk, to Wait, <laughs> I just want to say that you talk good. I and talk that good. is not proper English at all. <laughs> that was the joke. I know. It's funny. That's I was explaining why it was funny for people oh. that are dumber than us. I'm really, I'm sure they appreciate <laughs> condescending tone. <laughs> Listen, nobody's dumber than me, to be honest. It's fine. Nobody's dumber than me. It's uh. a paradox in which we're both the most dumb. <laughs> That's why we function so well together. Huh? God, okay. Okay, I'm gonna step away from this. Alright. <laughs> I have one more band that we want to feature today. And they come to us by the name of Nude Shoes. And they're going to play us out on their song, Couples Jenga. But just before we do that, I'm going to give a quick history of the band, as we do now. For Andy Katz, 2017 proved to be a life-changing year. He ended his previous band, Weird and Wonderful Words, to focus on his mental and physical health. No one knew it, but he fell into a relapse. He was battling through the worst flare-up he's had since being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis 14 years prior. Between surgeries and rounds of new medication, he teamed up with Pat Rizzi of Bear Away Studios to write his first EP for his new project, Nude Shoes. After a year of writing and recording with some of his closest friends, Suburban Ceremonies was complete. Nude Shoes signed with No Hope Records from Philadelphia to release the debut EP in March of 2019. 
In June of 2019, June, New Shoes played their first full band show with its current roster of Billy Budka, Mark Lee, Brian Dittimer, and Israel Sanchez. The boys have begun writing a new record and have plans to continue touring and playing shows. You can find them on social media on Instagram at New Choose Band, on Facebook as the URL is Shoes Nude if you want to go that way, but it's Nude Shoes as the page title, or on Twitter as Shoes Nude. All right. Bye. Say bye. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor, not a podcaster. Fuck. I'm not really a doctor. It's been-